continue our controversial Jesus series by talking about sleepwalking and how sometimes Jesus has to wake us up. And one of the ways that he does that is he steers us into discomfort, not because he doesn't love us, but because he does. You know, a season ago, I'm going to sit down. A season ago, I received a phone call from a couple in our church. Um, they came to Christ. And before they, were, uh, before they knew Jesus, they were living together and life was fine. And then they, they came to Christ. And, um, they, you know, they weren't married. They were sleeping together, living together, and no issue. And then all of a sudden, the Lord put His hand on that area of their life. And so sometimes then they want to talk to me about it because I'm, I feel like in that moment, like it's almost like I'm the get this worm off the hook guy. And so we sat and they began to talk and the conversation was flowing and I was just listening and everything was about God's grace, God's love, God's all these, and, and all of it was true. And then there came this moment well, they said, well, like, do, 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 do you think, do you think we need to make any changes? And I always in that moment want to say, well, number one, why do you care what I think? But you know what you feel in those moments? You feel pressure. So all I returned with is, tell me what God is speaking to your heart about, which is the worst question anybody can ask. So for them, it was this moment of, well, God is speaking to us about our sleeping together. God's speaking to us about we're not married, we're living together, and we're talking about rent and how expensive it is and all of those things. Absolutely. But what it comes down to is will you steer your life into pain for the sake of a greater purpose? Will you allow Jesus to create discomfort in order to experience favor? Are you going to live self-sacrificially now, or are you going to wait for another season? And it was this moment of wrestling, because how many of you know, it's not convenient when you've entangled your life. It's not convenient at all in the crushing, in the pressing. He's trying to do something new. For most people, when we talk about peace, what we're talking about is the absence of something. Bill Johnson says this really well. For most people, peace is a time without war or without conflict or as simple as a time without noise in their life. That's what peace is. Take note that for most people, peace is the absence of something. But for us as followers of Jesus in the kingdom of God, peace is not necessarily the absence of something. It is the presence of someone with something. For us, it is the presence of Jesus in the midst of what it is that we're going through. The Scripture says that Jesus can give us a peace, not as the world gives us, because what the world gives with peace is peace, but again, it's the removal of something. 
And sometimes God will step into the midst of the mess of our lives, into the midst of the complications of our life, into the midst of when we think life is going great. He'll step right into that place, and He will steer us into conviction, and He will steer us into a new season. All of a sudden, what was fine over here, which we absolutely had no care in the world about, one day He puts His hand on that area of our lives, and when He puts His hand, all of a sudden we begin to wrestle. And if you don't go to God and you go, to Google, you will find every excuse, every theology, every reason, but when the Holy Spirit puts His hand on something in your life, in the crushing, in the pressing, you are being awoken to new purpose, but sometimes it goes through the path of pain. No, I'm not talking about an abusive pain. I'm not talking about a masochistic pain. I'm not talking about a pain of shame. I'm not talking about any of those things. But what I am talking about is how God can use things, our discomfort, to steer us into a different path. And so sometimes to bring us peace, there is this push that Jesus brings to our hearts and to our lives. The Scripture says that Jesus intercedes. Everyone say, Jesus intercedes. You know, intercession is always in between. Intercession is maybe you're here and God desires you to be here, intercession is here. And here is the decision place where we're going to take a step, where we're going to trust, how much we're going to trust. Are we going to surrender? Are we still going to try to hold on to get a little bit of Jesus, so get one foot in that boat, and then another foot in what we want, and we can do that dance for a little while. And God is gracious, and He is patient, and He is loving, and I want you to know right from the outset, God loves you on your best day and on your worst day. But today isn't just about God's love for you. It's about you and I growing and to look like the image of Jesus, which causes, creates surrender in our hearts and in our lives. It brings us to this moment of surrender. In the Old Testament, you can see it where Moses sees a bush that is burning, and he approaches it in a casual way. And as he approaches it, there's this voice that comes from it and says, take off your sandals, because the place where you're standing is set apart. It's not like anywhere else. And it wasn't the bush that he was talking about. It's Anywhere God's presence is, is a set-apart place. It is this place where all of a sudden it's this pulling. When God begins to work holiness in your heart, sometimes it can feel like a pushing and a pulling as you are being set apart. Not only from sin, but for righteousness, for Jesus, for growing, that it could be the music or the shows or the, the posts or the things that you clicked on in one season, you felt no conviction, and all of a sudden, you're sleepwalking, and you just begin to wake up one day, and all of a sudden, there's conviction on this space, and again, then the chest comes. How do we move and steer into discomfort? Do we trust God? What is that all about? Do we allow Him to lead our lives through a season of purposeful pain to wake us up to the reality of what it is that He wants to do? There may be some of you listening today where you are where you are. Your grandparents have been there. Your parents have been there. Your great-grandparents have been there. And Jesus may want to break a cycle in your family, and you may not be the full recipient of it, but it may be the generations behind you. And the question often comes down to, will we turn and allow Him to move in our hearts and lives? We can see it in the book of Leviticus. If you're going through a Bible reading plan and you're in Leviticus right now, don't skip over it. 
But see in there that how God is specific around holiness. If you get nothing out of that book, see how specific God is, that He cares about specific things, that He will talk to you and I about things in our lives that maybe He's not talking to someone else about. But He begins to put His finger on this area of your heart and your life. If you want to go through the Gospels, what you can actually see is it's not prostitutes and tax collectors who are most susceptible to sleepwalking. It's religious people who have a form of godliness, but we deny the power, the fullness of what God desires to do in our hearts. So all of us as religious people, you may be here for the first time going, I'm not religious. Okay, but not you, but the rest then. (laughs) There is this place that we have to go, "Uh oh God, this is one place where we can be self-righteous, where we can know enough of the lingo of church to discredit us from what it is that God has wanted to do or discount or push us away, that we can know enough of the game to not actually play the game that we can know enough about it, that we can live on the sidelines and criticize those who are playing more than we can get on the court ourselves. Go Raptors. (laughs) Sleepwalking is Jesus finding a ruler who was rich and he was young, whose identity was rooted in all his stuff. And this rich young ruler one day came to Jesus, and this rich young ruler was just sleepwalking through life. And Jesus said to him, I want you to, okay, you're, you're really close. Like, Here's me, and here's the kingdom of God, and you are one step. You are face to face with what it is that you need. You are right there, and it's not what you can't see. It is what you can't see. And Jesus says to this young ruler who was rich, whose heart was wrapped in his stuff, just said, I want you to do one thing, just one thing. Sell all your stuff, not some of your stuff, because oftentimes we hey, God, can I sell like 5% of it, keep 95% of it? But Jesus said, no, I want you to sell all your stuff, and I want you to follow me. Jesus invites him to be a disciple. If you go through the Gospels, I am telling you, there is time and time and time and time again where Jesus heals a paralytic, a leper, whoever it is, and they all beg, can I follow you? Can I follow you? Can I be in your inner core of 12? Can I be in your 12? And Jesus says, no, you go back and tell your story. No, you don't tell anyone. You just go back. You just declare what I've done. No, 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 no. And this rich young ruler is invited to follow Jesus, but his heart is wrapped around his stuff, and he will not go in the path of pain for a greater purpose, and so he misses the kingdom for temporal things. He chooses to sleepwalk rather than wake up. And there's Jesus right in front of him. So sometimes when we sing about the love of God, I want you to know some of you were uncomfortable and you couldn't sing it today because love for you is only ooey and gooey and gushy. And it's not only ooey and gooey and gushy, sometimes God's love comes in this interceding, intercepting, invading, defining moment in our lives that wakes us up, that one day we were sleepwalking, but in this day we can't say that we don't know. We may struggle to do, and there is grace to struggle to do, but we now know. My friend Billy Kennedy tells a very famous story of a gentleman in his church who owned the local strip bar who gave his heart to Christ. And he gave his heart to Jesus, and Billy celebrated. They've been praying for him for so long. And it's week in and week out and week in and week out, and he still owns his strip bar. And Billy's going, God, I don't know, I, I don't, this doesn't work. Because how many of you know that we always want to clean up people faster than Jesus seems to? This doesn't work. Like he's thinking about sex trafficking and just every implication and just like, man, oh, man, oh, man, oh, man, oh, man, oh, man. And so finally this gentleman says to Pastor Billy Kennedy, I want to meet with you in your office. And he goes, thank you, Lord. The meeting comes in. The guy sits down. He sits right in front of him face to face. And he says, Pastor, I have a confession. God's put his finger on an area of my heart, and I think I need to repent. And he's like, oh, here, I've been waiting. I've been praying for it. Come on. What is it? 
He said, well, for years I've been watering down the beer in the, in the establishment, and God said I'm not supposed to do that anymore. Uh, and Billy Kennedy, as a pastor, was like, that's the issue? And when he tells that story in churches, he just leaves it there and just keeps going because everyone's going, but he sold it, right? He sold it, right? He sold it, right? I'm not going to tell you. Here's all I'm going to tell you. You say yes to the conviction of Jesus in your life and you can trust what he's going to do with the rest of your story. But for him, it started with putting him in the pathway of this seemingly little thing to us, but was significant to him. You see, there's something about God is when you say yes to Jesus in an area of your life, you, you, it doesn't stay there. It begins to move into different areas. One day, Jesus told the story about Samaritans in the crowd that was just comfortable in their hate and in their indifference, who was comfortable in their racial attitudes towards Samaritans, was sleepwalking through life without an issue around their issue of race towards Samaritans. Jesus tells a story, and it wakes them up to the reality of their own heart. And now they have to face it in a whole new way. Sleepwalking is not... We're talking about today is not developing spiritual disciplines or really healthy routines. Those can become ordinary and monotonous, but they're necessary. That's wisdom in our lives. We're not talking about that. Again, we're not talking about the abuse of pain. We're talking about seeing God's holiness in a way that it touches our hearts, sometimes offends our hearts, offends our minds, but He is pressing and He is pushing because His heart is new wine, but we have to go through a season of pain. I love the Scripture that says that, that we, in Christ that He gives us these, his, his burden is easy and His yoke is light, but I also want to point out there's still a burden and there's still a yoke in there. It's not like there's burdenless and yokeless. Yoke is this thing that gets put around your neck where He now steers, not where you steer. It's light and it's easy, but there is still one that is there. Sleepwalking is looking oftentimes behind the bluster to the behavior and to see what's going on. I was listening to a podcast that did something really interesting. It took, um, if you know anything about American politics, which I know I'm not talking politically, I'm just saying if you know anything about America, it, it took people who watched nothing but Fox News, uh, which, would be far, which would be on the right, and then it took those who watch MSNBC on the left. So their bluster was very, very different and actually found that when you got beyond the bluster, they lived equal behavior about 95% of the time. So it's a ton of bluster, but the behavior was no different. It was no different on the outside. It's a sleepwalking. Sometimes it's pushing past all the noise to see what's true, to see what's real, to see what's really going on. Sleepwalking is something that all of us do in our lives all of us are susceptible to, um, and it can be due to the avalanche of information or causes or tragedies or injustices that come across our screens and into our lives every day. We can be overwhelmed, so it can cause us to check out, just check out um, rather than lean in. How many of you know life is messy, and it can be painful? So we can overvalue entertainment and comfort and leisure. That's one way that we can check out that there's a healthy rhythm to rest without question. It's absolutely essential. But there's another side of it that can actually become idolatrous in our lives where we seek that rather than anything else. 
Lori and I just came back from Mexico. We had a great time. We were away for a week. It was beautiful. Uh, we had, we, every day we did something by doing nothing. What do you want to do today? Nothing. And that's something. It's important to do that. I, if, if you are, uh, we're on, I'm onto a new adventure. Lori's not into a new adventure. I'm onto a new adventure called A River Runs Through It. And so if you could pray for my insides to solidify, that would be fantastic. I think I... <laughs> I think I brought back a little friend with me that um, either Jesus has to take him out or antibiotics have to take him out, but either way, but something odd, I, I did over the winter gain about 8 to 10 pounds, so my underwear's not flopping as much, and so there's a side benefit to my little friend, but it's not, not, as a pre, not, 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 not the way I was thinking about doing this. So we can, that's, that's neither here nor there, that's too much information, I am so sorry. Um, <laughs> But, but it happened. So, pause. It's happening. So, if I call the band back early, just, just go with it. Just go. If I call the band back in like eight minutes, just go with it. Just, just go with it. Uh, I may be back. I may not be back. But, uh, yeah, Jesus is still good. So, you, you, can, you, can, you can go entertainment. You can go comfort or you can go leisure or you can go busyness and frenzy and FOMO, the fear of missing out. There's ways that we can distract ourselves to check out rather than lean in. But a desire to sleepwalk through life happens when we mistakenly repudiate the necessity of pain in our lives. The necessity of pain leading to a grander purpose. Again, not abuse, not masochistic, not, not, not talking about those things. I'm talking about when God puts His hand on an area of our life that's going to cost us something. I'm talking about when He brings conviction to an area or to something that that it's going to hurt to say yes there. It's going to cause discomfort. It's going to be pain to reorient maybe how you think or how you let your emotions drive or all of a sudden it's like you get there and you get there and you get there and you get there and then all of a sudden God says, I'm going to bring you somewhere different and it's painful. How many you know changing isn't easy? It's hard to change. Some of you, some of you, you can't even handle if the toilet paper it's put the wrong way. <laughs> if you grow up in a house with teenagers, you're just grateful there's a roll in there. <laughs> Every parent's done it. You've walked in and like taken the thing and said, it's not that hard to put it back on. I'm just grateful if it's on the roll. That's it. Just grateful. My kids, God bless them. Where are they? They're not in here. They're serving. Parker. Parker's over there. I see you, Parker. You're perfect in every way. You don't do this. But, <laughs> but the other three... My, my, my kids will take, there's the, toilet, there's the toilet paper roll. There's the paper, empty, empty. The roll is on top of it. Your life is so busy. But what's really easy in this is that how many of you know it's always easier to spot other people's issues than it is your own? Paul said to the church in Galatians, and let us not grow weary of doing good, for in due season we will reap, dot, dot, dot. It may not be in this season. In due season you will reap if, everyone say if, if you don't give up. Anyone here by show of hands ever been tempted to give up? 
every week. Right? We all go through seasons where we go, I don't know if it's worth it because of how hard it is. God, I'm grateful for, for salvation, but I just don't want to do good. I just want me time. I just want to think only about myself. So then as we have the opportunity, let us do good to everyone. Oh, turn the person beside you and go, everyone means everyone. which you may have had an image of someone pop into your head, that's known as a grace grower. They grow God's grace in you. When you show up to church or life group and you see them coming, you're like... In the crushing, in the pressing, you are making new booze, new wine. There's this press, right? I want you just to remember something. When you do that, remind yourself, oh, I'm someone else's grace grower and I just don't know it. A grace grower is someone who God puts into your life like sandpaper to smooth you out, who gets on your every last nerve. They're a gift. And you're a gift to somebody else. Wait a minute. Did you just clap that you're the gift part, that they're not the gift? Amen. Amen. I'm a gift. 2019, a positive affirmation. I'm a gift. I knew it. I knew it. What'd you get out of the message today? I'm a gift. The Lord told me, I'm a gift. That's what happens. Tweet that out now. I went to Life Center and they told me I'm a gift. <laughs> Life is hard. It, it, it's painful. But there's another question that we have to ask in the midst of pain. It's not just, is it painful? We have to also ask, is it true? Because truth sets us free. Some feedback, whether it's through direct feedback or life feedback. Anybody here ever go through something and you want a do-over on how you handled it? Like everything about that I would change? And you get feedback from that? It's painful. It's painful when you believe you're this and then crisis hits and you realize you're not that. It's painful. Say, God, you got to change my heart. You know what's interesting? Have you ever felt God speaking to you, just whispering about this and that and this and that and this and this? And it's like a sacred echo. You just hear it everywhere. It just like keeps coming back over and over again. But you're in this season and you have no context to that. So you just kind of dismiss it. Like, I'm good, I'm good, I'm good, I'm good. And then you hit a crisis and you realize, oh, man, God has actually been trying to do something in me because he knew this was coming. So he was trying to steer me into discomfort to grow an area of my life so that I would have resiliency in the midst of this. 
So for the couple who was sitting in front of me, the only counsel I could give was simply this. You want to steer full into the pain of this moment headlong because if you together and individually can learn to put God first in your relationship, if you can learn to self-sacrificially serve one another now, I am telling you that in this season, saying yes to Jesus, putting Him first 20 years, 15 years, 18 years into your marriage, it's going to serve you more than the convenience of what is today. It's having the courage to lean into it. It's having the courage to allow God to convict us of things. And there is a struggle to get free. I'm not saying there isn't. It can go up and down and we can have good days and bad days. But all I'm saying is say yes to all the days and keep leaning into it. You know, starting a business, if God's put that on your heart, if life is all to avoid everything that is painful, then we, no one would ever do that because that can be painful to yourself, to those around you, but, but, it's, but it's worth it. Ladies, I can imagine that having a child is painful, whether it is through conception, fostering, adoption, becoming a parent, no matter which way, is painful. It's painful, but it's worth it. And so just because it's painful doesn't mean it's necessarily wrong. It can also be truth around it. I will never forget as a man who could not even comprehend the pain of childbirth. I can never forget sitting, standing, 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 sitting, maybe. I had a little little beverage there, a little Diet Coke, and you're in labor. How's it going there, honey? I realize they give the man, like, you know, the man job, like, you know, so, you, know, you know, count the contractions. It's a useless job. They're on a machine. You don't need to. They're just trying to give you something to do. There's a man. I'm counting them. That was a good one. That was a big one. That was a big one on the machine, eh, honey? Anyways, so when our firstborn son, Treff, was born, I walked out to my mom and my sister and uh, my grandmother at the time. And uh, I think Lori's mom was there, and I said, like, well, Treff was born. Like, thank God he was, because Lori was, look, we were in labor all night. <laughs> like, we were working hard. My job was to hold the leg. And I walked out to my, 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 the, the ladies who were there, and I just said, like, well, thank God he was finally born. Now I can sleep. And my grandmother looked at me and said, you're just stupid. (laughs) And it hurt. But it was true. I'll never forget when Lori gave birth to Parker. Parker? Um, There you were. And mom looked right up at me and said, so, no, 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 no. Parker? There, there is still, um, he's, he's out, but he's attached. <laughs> Do you want to cut that? No, I'm not qualified for that. <laughs> so he, he's out, but he's attached. And Laurie turns and says, I want another one. And what mama wants, mama gets. 
She can't keep her hands off of me as there's two more. Sharing your faith can be painful. We're moving right along. How many know that sharing your faith can be painful? Did you know that in 2019, less than 2% of followers of Jesus share their faith? Preach the gospel, and if necessary, use words. It's necessary to use words. We overcome by the blood of the Lamb everything that Jesus did and the word of our testimony. Your testimony does not have to be super spectacular for it to be supernatural. If you have been saved by grace, it is supernatural. Some people say, well, I don't really have much of a testimony because, you know, like so-and-so, God set them free from a drug and alcohol addiction or so-and-so. Man, their story is so spectacular. I, you don't have a testimony? You were dead spiritually and now you're alive and you don't have a testimony? You were absolutely dead, and you have been born again supernaturally by the Holy Spirit of God. You have a story. Share your story. Your story. Controversial Jesus said this. You have heard it said, an eye for an eye, a tooth for a tooth. If we still had this law today, nobody, everybody would be blind and toothless. But I say to you, do not resist the one who is evil. But if anyone slaps you on the right cheek, turn to him the other also. Everyone say, ouch. And if anyone would sue you to take your tunic, let him have your cloak as well. And if anyone would force you to go one mile, go with him two miles. Give to the one who begs from you and do not refuse to the one from who you would borrow from you. All of these things push us past our discomfort, push us past. And when I read these things, I just go, God, I've got so much to grow, so much room for growth in my life, in the crushing, in the pressing. You are bringing new wine. Church, what Jesus is asking of us is impossible without Him. It's new wine, not old wine repackaged. It's new wine. There is pain to develop character. There is pain to develop resiliency in our lives. Some of the most profound breakthroughs in our lives come from our most disappointing moments. We in the church in 2019 have an underdeveloped theology around suffering, which makes us susceptible to chasing happiness and not joy. Chasing peace as the presence of no problems rather than peace as the presence of Jesus in the midst of whatever it is that we're walking through. Whether it's on the mountaintop, man, we celebrate. Or though you walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Why? Because the presence of things are being pulled out? No, because He is with me. Ah. Oh. The vulnerability to admit that you need a Savior takes courage, and it's hard for some of us. There are some of you, you're churched, but you've never surrendered your life to Christ, that the kingdom is right here, and the king is right here, but you can't get around surrender. You're one step away of surrendering your heart. You're close but yet so far. 
as close as a criminal crucified beside Jesus. One surrenders and the other cannot. Equal proximity, yet totally different postures. This one I want to tread lightly, but I also want to just move through it. It takes great courage to be a part of a church community where not because anybody intends ever, but I promise you that you will be hurt in community. And I promise you that you will also hurt others in community because you're imperfect, because I'm imperfect. And so before us, we have only two options, the pain of isolation or the pain of community. And you get to choose which one. That doesn't let us off the hook at all. But I'm telling you, the subtext to amazing life groups are there are hard moments too. There are moments of misunderstanding. There are moments where we have expectations of one another and we fall so desperately short of those things. There are moments where we expect one another to be what only Jesus can be. And so do we, because there's pain in the midst of community, do we throw it all out? Or do we say, no, there's pain, but it's also true. We are better together, that we are the body of Christ, that we are literally joined together. Is it true that there's pain? Yes. But is it also true that there's beauty and many other things? Absolutely. Our 21st century challenge is not everything that hurts is harmful. And not everything that affirms brings affirmation to our life in a larger sense. Not everything that affirms is helpful. Not everything that just pats you on the back is actually helpful in our lives. Sometimes we need the conviction of God. We need Him to move on our hearts and move on our lives. We need Him to put His finger or His hand or His elbow or His foot into our backside. The Scripture says that He only disciplines those He loves. And so we think maybe about our earthly father or our earthly mother who disciplined us out of anger, which every one of us who's a parent can never say we've disciplined perfectly. We get this mixed and skewed vision about who God is. God is not like your earthly parent. No matter how great they were, He's infinitely good. But yet He still brings discipline and correction to our lives. Why? The purpose isn't the pain or the discomfort. It's the new wine. Let me finish here. Jesus knew they wanted to ask Him, so He said to them, Is this what you're asking yourselves by what I meant? A little while you will not see Me. Again, a little while you will see Me. So He's talking about His death, His resurrection, and then His ascension. I, I meant by saying, A little while you will not see Me, and again, a little while you will see Me. Truly, truly, I say to you, you will weep and you will lament, but the world will rejoice. Did you catch that? When I'm crucified, you're going to be crushed, but the world is going to celebrate. There's going to be pain in that moment, but the pain is temporary. You will be sorrowful, but your sorrow will turn into what? It'll turn into joy. So there's a redemptive path, there's a redemptive purpose. The enemy, when he brings pain into our life, there is nothing redemptive about it. It is only destructive. 
When God allows us to steer into pain, there's always a redemptive end to it, a wholeness end to it, not a destructive end to it. When a woman is giving birth, she has sorrow because her hour has come, but when she's delivered the baby, she no longer remembers the anguish for joy that a human being has been born into the world. So also you have sorrow now. Everyone say now. But I will see you again and your hearts will rejoice. And no one, and no one, and no one, and no one will take your joy from you. In that day you will ask nothing of me. Truly, truly, I say to you, whatever you ask of me, of the Father, sorry, in my name, he will give it to you. Until now you've asked nothing in my name. And then he says, ask and you will what? Why? That you're what? That you're maybe full. Aren't you glad that we serve a God of full, not half? But what preceded all those things? Sorrow, lament. I'm going to steer you into temporary pain for a grander purpose, but trust me, it's not that I can make you unhappy. It's because I want to give you a joy that this world can't give you. But you've got to let me steer you through those things. Sometimes the only way to rouse us from our sleepwalking is to steer us into the path of redemptive pain, a pain that awakens us to the reality of God. You need to move in our hearts and lives. The Scripture says in John 16, verses 12 to 13, that when the Spirit of truth comes, everyone's Spirit of truth, He will guide you into all the truth, for He will not speak on His own authority, but whatever He hears, He will speak, and He will declare to you the things that are come. What is the opposite of sleepwalking? It is being sober-minded. In 1 Peter 5, verse 8 to 10, it finishes by saying this, be sober-minded. So, wake up. Be sober-minded. Don't sleepwalk. Wake up. Be watchful. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion. He's not a roaring lion. He's like one seeking someone to devour. Resist him, firm in your faith, knowing that the same kinds of sufferings, painful things, are being experienced by your brotherhood throughout the world. And after you have suffered a little while, everyone say a little while, the God of all grace who calls you to His eternal glory in Christ will Himself restore, confirm, strengthen, and establish you. When Jesus met a guy by the name of Simon, Simon, his name meant that he was a reed, easily tossed to and fro. That was his born identity. And Jesus said to him, no, 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 you're not a reed that is blown, tossed to and fro. You're a rock. And on this rock, on the revelation of who I am, Peter, on this rock I will build my church and the gates of hell will never prevail against it. And what did Peter do after that? He had to learn the difference between failure and hardship in order to actually grow into the full identity of who God created him to be. You see, when God calls you, he always gives you a calling, two sizes too big. It's not that God is not a master tailor. It's that he's going to lead you to grow, to fill out what it is that he desires for your heart, desires for your life. And I am telling you, Saying yes to that is allowing him to wake you whatever sleepwalking and steer you into sometimes a path of discomfort or pain for a larger kingdom. Of